today will retell the incredible story of God's plan of redemption. It begins and ends with the matchless love of the Father for the people he created. It winds its way through the tragedy of the first sin in the Garden of Eden and spans the lives of men and women who responded in faith to God's work in their world. It goes by way of Bethlehem and Nazareth and Galilee. It reaches a glorious crescendo at Calvary in a garden tomb. There's only one possible title for this epic true account of how good triumphed over evil and love conquered all. This story is called Jesus Saves.
scripture says that the lamb who had died to redeem us was slain from the foundation of the world. Yes, the Father's plan was in place from the beginning. Still, there would be centuries of waiting before his arrival. Prophets foretold his words coming with words like, there will be no end to his, or the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. As the people God had chosen for himself strayed further and further from him, he never gave up on them. The prophets reminded them that their salvation was on the way, saying, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall rise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice, and there will be righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he shall be called the Lord our righteousness.
It was Passover, the night the nation celebrated how God had miraculously freed them from slavery in Egypt. Gathered with his closest friends, Jesus broke the unleavened bread and passed it around saying, take and eat, this is my body. And he offered the cup saying, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The bread and the wine would be the way we would commemorate the sacrifice he was about to become. Jesus and the eleven left the room where they had shared the Passover meal and walked to a familiar garden where he often had prayed. Judas, the one who betrayed him, had already gone with the master's full knowledge of what he was planning. Jesus did nothing to prevent the plot from unfolding. At every step in the hours to come, he would do nothing but surrender to the Father's will. In the garden, while the disciples slept, 
He prayed that he wouldn't have to drink the bitter cup of crucifixion, but that would not be the Father's plan. And soon the sound of soldiers and the flames of torches filled Gethsemane. His time had come. He was arrested, bound, and deserted by his friends. At his first trial, Jesus stood before Annas, who had been the high priest. At the second, it was the high priest Caiaphas who asked him, Are you the Christ? Jesus answered, I am. At his third trial, he was judged by the Sanhedrin. And at his fourth, Pilate asked, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. At his fifth trial, it was the brutal King Herod who questioned him. This man who had beheaded John the Baptist accused him and berated him and mocked him. But Jesus never spoke a word. Herod sent him back to Pilate. And at his sixth trial of the evening, Pilate was pressured into a decision. Though he knew Jesus was guilty of nothing, Pilate gave in to the shouts of the mob who cried, Crucify him! Crucify him! And passed sentence. Jesus was physically and emotionally exhausted. He endured a brutal Roman scourge and a mock coronation at the hands of the cruel soldiers. Morning had come. He had prayed, Not my will, but thine be done. Now God's will was unfolding. The lamb was ready for sacrifice. The altar waited on Golgotha. The cross was prepared. There has never been a scene in history like Calvary. Artists have attempted to paint it. Sculptors have tried to get the form. Songwriters have memorialized it over and over, and preachers have delivered its message. Yet the love demonstrated there defies description. The mercy cannot be captured, and the grace is too great to be absorbed. It's more than we can take in, and yet we never stop trying, because the cross and what Jesus did for us there means Why everything. Would it keep Leave his throne and his crown to come to earth as a stranger. And why would he leave the safety of heaven in exchange? For all earthly danger, it was more than my mind can conceive.
loved by a God of mercy and forgiveness? Is there a Savior who has made salvation possible? Calvary answers a resounding yes, yet so many reject the sacrifice of God's only begotten Son. Still, He never stops reaching out to them because God knows just how desperately people need Him.
died and was buried. The crowd at Golgotha left. The disciples hid. His followers mourned. The Jewish leaders sighed with relief. And Jerusalem went back to normal. Then Sunday dawned. An angel rolled back the stone at the tomb so the world could see that it was empty. The angel said to the women who came to anoint the body, You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen just as he said. happened over 2,000 years ago. And yet that single event has changed history and the lives of countless souls around the world. We read of Bethlehem, follow his life on earth, hear his words, witness his death on the cross, and we believe in his resurrection. The drumbeat of truth becomes the heartbeat of our lives. It ends as a whisper and rises with a roar. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves.
Amen. Thank you, choir, for that wonderful message and song. Before uh, I begin the uh, message today, I want to invite our children to come down. Um, there is a very special children's church activity that Miss Becky has prepared for our kiddos uh, out in the fellowship. So kids, you guys come on down and uh, all of them up through fifth grade, they can all come. Woo, you look beautiful, children. And handsome. Look good. <laughs> I think they're going to have fun. What about y'all? Maybe for Becky's sake, they hadn't eaten too much of their candy yet, right? <laughs> I want to invite you uh, to take um, your copy of God's Word, if you have, you have it with you, and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. I plan to be brief this morning, uh, not only because uh, we've, we've had a full service already, but also because that narrating job, that is something else. I want to tell you, I should lie and say it's easy so someone else will sign up to do it next year. Uh, but it's, uh, it's kind of tough. I mean, it's, it, it's so much to read, and there's the timing, and of course you, you can't get it all perfect. But the worst thing is when, you know, Philip gives you the demo disc. And it's got the professional choir sing, which they don't sound as good as our choir. But then you hear the narrator, and he's like this movie theater trailer guy, you know, in a world with sin. You know, it's just, it's like, I can't do that. And Philip said, you got to do it that way. Can't do it. But, you know, we do our best, right? John chapter 20. And I want to ask you to please uh, stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word. John chapter 20. Beginning in verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had, been covered, that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. And he saw and believed. For until then they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the beautiful message from your word. God, the, the words that you have to tell us about life. And Father, I pray that uh, it would be an encouragement. God, I pray that... Um, Father, anyone who came into this building today not trusting in Jesus 
as their Savior. Father, as they've heard the message presented through this choir special, God, that they would come to trust him as Savior. And Lord, for those of us who are believers, I ask that you would just take this passage of Scripture and use it in our lives to draw us closer, to help us in the difficult days that we face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Very briefly today, I want us to think about what you should do when you don't see Jesus. What should you do when you come to a situation, a circumstance, a stage uh, in life, and you don't see God in this? You're looking around, and, and you don't see him anywhere in it. And you're wondering, God, where are you? God, what's going on in this situation, in this time in my life? Mary Magdalene showed up to the tomb, and she didn't see Jesus. She didn't see him. She saw no evidence of him being there. And her world was kind of already turned upside down, and it was even more turned upside down when she was already facing the tragedy of his death, and now she doesn't know where he's gone. What do you do when you don't see Jesus? First, don't jump to conclusions. Mary Magdalene did that, unfortunately. You know, she thought she knew what she knew, but really she didn't. There's often at times a difference between what we know and what we think we know. She knew that that tomb was empty, but in her mind, she jumped to a conclusion, and she said, the tomb's empty. Someone has taken Jesus away. Someone has disturbed his burial place. Someone's taken my Lord. She knew this much, and she jumped to a conclusion. And we often do that. We often, in our minds, jump to the worst possible conclusion. We think we've already heard something. We already know something's bad. Let's make it worse. But we need to know that when we come into these situations and circumstances in our life, when we don't see God around, don't jump to those conclusions. Instead, you and I need to remember that God is still in control. As Mary Magdalene went and found this empty tomb, and, and she was so upset that someone, they, whoever they was, they have moved the body of the Lord. She went back and told the disciples and and Peter, and most people believe it's John who wrote this gospel, is the other disciple who's unnamed. They're the two that run, and uh, John being the young guy, he gets there first, but he doesn't go. He just kind of peeks. He doesn't go in. But Peter catches up with him. He's winded, but he gets in there, and he looks around. And he sees that those linen cloths that had been wrapped around the body of the Lord, just like John had already seen. But he sees something else John didn't because John hadn't gone all the way in. It's that handkerchief, that cloth that had gone over his face, that it was neatly folded and laid out. You see, God is in control. We're running around flustered. We're running around oftentimes without the full knowledge, and, and we're disturbed and we're upset by situations we face in life. And, and yet Jesus, you know... He was taking his time that morning. That morning as he rose from the grave, he was able not to just throw everything into a shambles to say, let me take this off. 
Let me fold it up nice and pretty just so when these disciples walk in here that they can say, hey, it's okay. Everything is okay. It's all right. We can be calm. Because while we may be in a tizzy, while we may be disturbed by life's circumstances and situations, God's got it all covered. He's in control. When you don't see Jesus, don't jump to conclusions. When you don't see Jesus, remember that God is in control. And third and final, when you don't see Jesus, trust that God's plan is better than your own. Trust that God's plan is better than your own. You know, Jesus had been telling the disciples his plan all along, but they really didn't want to hear that plan. In fact, they, they kind of mostly tuned it out. And the one little time when they did tune in and they heard Jesus uh, talking about his coming death, Peter actually tried to rebuke him. And Peter was just the spokesperson. He wasn't the only one. He was just speaking for the rest of the disciples and said, No, Lord. And that's when he had to say to Peter, Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Because Satan speaks the easy way into our lives. He speaks the path of least resistance. But God has a plan for us that is greater and higher and better. But that plan often involves difficulty and hardship and suffering. And, and we only see the suffering and the hardship and the difficulty, but God sees the glory on the other side. God knows what the end result is, and his plan is better than our plan. But you see, the disciples, even as close as they were to Jesus, they hadn't grasped that plan. They hadn't gotten what it was all about. But the Bible says that John, although he is unnamed, he's this one who, who got there first, waited on Peter, and then he finally went in. It said, once he saw, once he went in and saw, then he believed. Because until then, he had not understood See, that's what faith is all about, folks. It's trusting Jesus, realizing it won't be until after we believe, after we walk out in faith, after we go through the trial and the fire, then when we come out on the other side, then we say, oh, that's what God did. Now I get it. Now I understand. But when we're in the middle of it, when it's Friday, we don't get it. But when it's Sunday... We get it. Friday is all blackness, doom, and gloom. Sunday, we come out on the other side, and we say, God, you had a plan in this all along. We face circumstances and situations in our life when we don't see Jesus. But that's not really the important thing. The important thing is that Jesus always sees us. And as long as his eyes on the sparrow... His eye will be upon you and me as well. And he is lovingly watching and guiding even when we're in the darkness. We simply have to look to him. We have to hold out our hand for him to lead. You see, Jesus not only died, was buried, and was resurrected again so that we would get a ticket out of a place called hell. We certainly want to avoid that. We want to be in heaven one day. But he died for so much more. He died that we might have an abundant life. That life has some hills and it has some valleys. But it always can be full of faith and trust and hope in our Lord Jesus. 
Because even when we can't see him, he is there, he is at work, and his plan is for our good. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and God, we thank you and we praise you for your amazing power, the power of resurrection that brought your son Jesus out of that tomb, the power that rolled away the stone so that we might see. Father, help us to trust, even when we can't see your hand. We know your heart because of what you've done for us on Calvary. And Father, for each person here today, Lord, if they are uh, facing situations in their life, God, may you give them a clear picture of your, of your love and your care for them. You might not reveal your plan to them now, but God, you have always revealed your love and your care. Be with us now as we come to our time uh, of decision, of our time to commitment. God, may we devote ourselves fully to you. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. During our hymn of commitment, as we sing, it is an opportunity for you to dedicate yourself to the Lord. Maybe that dedication is today expressing your gratitude for what Jesus did for you on the cross. Maybe it's lifting up to him a lost friend or family member who does not yet get the, the gift, the message of Easter, and you simply say, God, please be with my friend. Be with my loved one. Help them to know, to understand. Maybe you have a struggle in your life that you need to just lay at the feet of Jesus. Leave it there at the cross. Give him that burden. I'll be down front if you need prayer. Or if you have a public decision to, to make, I'd love to receive you. Would you stand together as we sing Alive Forever. Amen. <laughs>